So I'm going to start by asking you the question uh, about how good are you at patience, really, uh, the waiting game. Okay, somebody's promised a delivery. Okay. Um, how good are you at being patient, waiting for the delivery? For a gas man to come and do that fixing thing that they've promised that they will do. Or how about being there? 9.30 it says on the timetable. 9.30, it's 9.45 now, where's the bus? How are you at doing that stuff? Not very good. Not very good. <laughs> I'm just thinking of a, a good friend here who if he was sitting in a queue um, on the M25. <laughs> and patience is something we all need to learn, and I'm not great at it either, absolutely useless. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit today about promises, promises that are kept and promises that are broken. And when I was eight, I made a promise. I stood in front of our Kalar and I had my hand up like that in a salute. And if there were any brownies or guides uh, here, they would have done the same. I promise that I will do my best to do my duty to God and to the Queen, to help other people and to keep the Cub Scout law. It was a solemn promise for a little eight-year-old boy. I tried very hard. I didn't always succeed, and my mum probably would say I didn't always do my best. But I did my try, I did try to keep the Cub Scout law. Now, I got a bit older, and I made another promise. Yes, that is me. Um, I stood before this wonderful woman, and I said that I would take her and I would make her my lawful wedded wife to have and to hold the richer for poorer in sickness, in health. So help me God. Uh, until death us depart. And um, it was a, a very solemn promise, probably a little bit more solemn than the Cub Scout promise. <laughs> But as a promise, it was deeply significant in my life and still is hugely important. Uh, this coming year, we celebrate 40 years of living by that promise. And I would still pray that God would hold me to it. A promise that I try and keep. Um, there are some people here who might have made a promise. I can't remember. Did whether you guys have done the citizenship promise yeah so this is what these amazing guys promised I swear by almighty God that on becoming a British citizen I will be faithful and bear true allegiance to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II her heirs and successors according to law I will give my loyalty to the United Kingdom and respect its rights and freedoms. I will uphold its democratic values. I will observe its laws faithfully and fulfil my duties and obligations as a British citizen. Remember saying that? Solemn stuff, isn't it? Very, very solemn, very special moment. 
I was returning the other day from my trip to Zambia and I came through uh, Heathrow Airport and I had a British passport. And because I had a British passport and had made those kinds of promises myself, uh, well, actually I haven't made those promises because I was born here. But those, those, those people that have a British passport under the covering of a promise and I'm able to walk through a lane now that almost nobody else, you know, that there's a lane for UK citizens. I am under that promise. And it made me realise what an amazing privilege and what a wonderful thing it is to, be, to hold a UK passport. But there's promises, very special promises, holy promises. Um, there are promises, of course, that people make. There's another promise that are made in um, business, in finance, in politics, in economics. And this, this one, I, I don't know whether you realise, but this promise, I, uh, if you've, got, you've all seen that promise on your banknotes, yes? What meaning does it have? It, there is none. But now, up until, uh, up until it was about 1930s or something, when, when they, whenever it was that we moved away from the gold standard, that promise became meaningless. The, the value is in the goods that you're exchanging, not for that note, not in you being able to go in the past up to the Bank of England and say, can I have my five pounds of gold, please? Because that's what it says on there. I promise to pay the bearer on demand the sum of five pounds. And you could t- used to be able to take that note and go up to the Bank of England and say, can I have my five pounds worth of gold? And, and you can't do that now. So it's all, it's all on the, the trust that we have in the promise. So there are other promises. Promises economically, financially, politically. Um, uh, it, it, so whatever the promises are, some people, of course, make promises, I'll go to that one, um, which are never intended to be honoured. They choose to deceive us. There, is no ever, there was never ever inten- any, any intention to honour some of the promises that they, that they have made to us. And it's hard, isn't it, to be promised something and then be let down. It hurts. This, um, anybody recognise this? Anybody recognise where it's from? The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. Can you just, uh, I, I, I just gauge how well this is going to go. Um, can you tell me if you've either read the book or seen the film? Can you put your hand up, please? You've either read the book or seen the film. Okay, there's quite a few. Quick, quick recap. This is the White Witch. There are four children. He's one of them, called Edmund. She rules this magical kingdom called Narnia. He doesn't like being second brother to his bigger brother, like many boys. And so um, and she's about to make a promise to him. So we'll watch the promise. Can we, can we do this? See if it works. Thank you. Sorry about the sound there. It wasn't brilliant, was it? But um, the, the point there was that the white witch promises Edmund rooms full of Turkish delight if he will bring his 
Kath's brother and sisters to her house because she wants to kill them so that she will always be Queen of Narnia. And this deceit, this idea of um, making a promise that will never be fulfilled, it breaks relationships, doesn't it? Yeah? If you, I expect everybody in here has probably experienced um, a broken promise. People that have made promises and then not honoured them. And it's hard because we have our trust eroded, broken by that experience. Yeah? You with me with this? Yeah. And so it's very difficult to experience a broken promise. But there is also something really wonderful about a promise made that's fulfilled. And this woman has always fulfilled the promise she made to me. And often at great cost to herself. And the cost of promises made, the cost that they, t they take, is, is what sometimes makes us realise how powerful those promises are. Now, hopefully some of you might be guessing where I might be going with this, because I want to talk about the fact that you've probably all had experience of promises broken and promises kept. Yeah? The pleasure of receiving the gift or the present or the, the, the thing that has been promised to you. Um, however, whatever that might be. The Bible is also full of promises. Promises made by God and promises made by men and women. And what I've decided is uh, from my reading both of the Bible and my own experience uh, is somebody uh, uh, and as somebody who has a friendship with God is that God always keeps his promises. Okay, I'm going to stand here as somebody with a friendship with God and say that I have never known God not fulfill the promises he's made. Now, let me just stress something here. <laughs> My experience of God fulfilling his promises is not that he's done it how I expected him to do it. He often doesn't do it in the timing that I expect him to do it nor in the way in which I expect him to do it. My kind of understanding of God is limited. God makes promises and he keeps them. And um, I want to talk about particular promises that God made today. You see, Israel, that country in the Middle East, we right know is right at the centre of conflict. Even this week, Australia has decided to allow it to recognise West Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, which is incredibly inflammatory to the Palestinian community. Israel, since way, way back when, has been the centre of constant battering of conflict. And 
not without surprise, it's also often the centre of the stories in the Bible. And so the people of Israel were given a couple of promises. Let's just have a look at them. This is a promise. So the master is going to give you a sign anyway. This is from the message, so the master meaning God. Watch for this. A girl who is presently a virgin will get pregnant. She'll bear a son and name him Emmanuel, God with us. Here's another promise in the same book. For a child has been born for us, a, the gift of a son for us. He'll take over the running of the world. His names will be Amazing Counselor, Strong God, Eternal Father, Prince of Wholeness. His ruling authority will grow and there'll be no limits to the wholeness he brings. He'll rule from the historic David throne over that promised kingdom. He'll put that kingdom on a firm footing and keep it going with fair dealing and right living, beginning now and lasting always. Okay. Now, forget everything you know about what happened. If you read that and you were an Israelite, living in a country that was constantly invaded, battered, and constantly in a, a, a war with itself and with others around it. That's quite some promise, isn't it? Because it, it promises something wonderful. It's going to be peace in our land. We're going to be able to rule ourselves. And we're going to be, you know, all of that. Okay? These two promises were made about, well, between 600 and 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. Just look at those words. A girl, presently a virgin, will get pregnant. Okay? A child will be born. Gift of a son. That's a promise. Now the promise made people hopeful. But it was a long time. They'd been given a promise and they were waiting. People like you. People like me. Carpenters. Engineers. Soldiers. Slaves. There was a guy called Simeon who was waiting. There was a woman called Anna who was waiting. There was a guy called Zechariah. I didn't really know what was going to happen, but he was waiting too. There was probably a fisherman on the coast of Galilee called Zebedee who would have two sons, who would be very important in the story. But he was waiting too. There were lots of people who were waiting for these promises to be fulfilled. Some of them got a bit impatient, like you at the bus stop. Some of them took law into their own hands and, and started riots and rebellions, because they thought they knew what God wanted. But no, they were waiting and waiting. And then this happened. What you described happened in a mucky stable. The fulfillment to the promise happened. Emmanuel, God with us. The promise fulfilled. The promise everybody had been waiting for. 
Simeon and Anna and Zechariah and all those carpenters and shepherds and wise men in the east and all of those people have been waiting and waiting and waiting and we've been waiting just four weeks in Advent to celebrate the festival of God's promise we call Christmas we do it every year because it reminds us that God made a promise he made a promise to his people that he was going to do something amazing <laughs> the problem is that the promise wasn't just for Israel they didn't know that they didn't understand the promise they were expecting Jesus to one day grow up and be the king on the throne and throw the Romans out that isn't exactly what happened was it but there was a promise and the promise that came was for the whole world it was a promise for you and a promise for me as well and I think sometimes we forget that from the other side of all of this the Israelite people had this promise but they didn't get it at all and often we don't get it either and I certainly know that half the planet doesn't get it at least Christmas is not celebrated as it should be. It doesn't matter when it happened, all the cultural trappings, we just need to remember it did happen. It did. I know that God's response was not just to a broken Israel, but to a broken world. A broken me and a broken you. Now, if you know you're waiting for something in your life to change, something better than this life, maybe you're feeling your life is broken, and let's be honest, we've all been broken, then your wait is over. The promise God made to save Israel is the promise he makes to you today. I wanted to ask you to put your past behind you and to accept the hand that God is stretching out to each one of you. The promise of the child in the manger, the man on the cross, the empty tomb. Many of us also who follow Jesus need to be reminded that the promise to never leave us or forsake us is for you as well. Uh, whatever your worries and cares, Jesus said this. I'm just going to pause for a minute and allow you to read that. And I'll just sum it up. That amazing paragraph here. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. And that's my prayer for you today. The promise for you. Loving God, we come today to thank you for the promise promises that you made to Israel fulfilled in Jesus born in a stable 
And Lord, we come this morning just to put the past behind, to reach our, our hand to your hand and accept your help because we've mucked up. Lord, help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.